Yeah, well, new investors, you know, need to find a good, need to put a good team around them. Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have with me Ted Lanzaro, who is a certified public accountant, and he calls him as a CPA for real estate investors and entrepreneurs. And that's what I like. I'm a real estate investor. I'm an entrepreneur. So I always like to talk about taxes with, you know, whomsoever I meet with. And that's how, you know, Ted and I started chatting. Uh, he himself is a real estate investor. That's another good thing to have in a CPA. He's a broker, author, speaker with more than 29 years of real estate tax consulting and investment experience. He runs Lanzaro CPA LLC, a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and taxation for the real estate industry. Mr. Lanzaro is the author of the Tax Smart Landlord and the Tax Smart Landlord Toolkit as well as over 100 articles on taxation for the real estate industry, specifically for investors, landlords, flippers, and developers. Welcome, Ted. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me on our Wealth Matters. Absolutely, and hope I did justice to your bio. Feel free to add if I forgot anything. <laughs> no, you did a great job. Yeah, you know, I've been a... Uh, I've been a CPA in the real estate industry for 29 years now and been an investor for 20. So. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I just started investing about 10 years ago, so you are way ahead of me. <laughs> well, everybody had, a, you know, everybody had to start somewhere. Right, right. right. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, you're right. Everybody has to start somewhere and don't compare your journey with someone else's, right? Which, <laughs> you don't know what they have gone through, right? <laughs> No, that's true. And that's sort of how I got started was, you know, looking at uh, the people that I was doing tax work for and going, wow, these people are really making some money. Uh, and, and frankly, they're no smarter than I am. I think I can do this. Right. That's awesome. Tell us something interesting about yourself. Uh, well, you know, like I, like I was saying, I've been a real estate investor for the past 20 years. Um, other things that um, that interest me, um, I've, I've always been sort of a motivational kind of junkie. You know, I like all of that. You know, kind of um, you know motivational stuff. I, I I was watching and reading like Jim Rohns and Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, 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 yeah. They're amazing. Stuff. Yes, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and and I've been reading and listening to podcasts and recordings. Yes, and stuff for for 20 plus years. I, wow. I started, uh, when I started uh, in real estate investing, uh, Ron LeGrand was the big yes, right. real estate guru. That's a while ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when did you start in real estate and how did you, uh, you know, end up in real estate? What, what was your thought process? Yeah, so I was, I was working for uh, a CPA firm in their real estate department doing tax work. And um, a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, uh, you know, called me one day. He's like, let's have lunch. He said, I want you to, um, 
I want to talk to you about something. And we go to lunch and he hands me this book. And it's a book every real estate investor in the world. <laughs> Rich dad, poor dad. Of course. You know, I, that's why I started laughing. It has yeah. to be that. And he's like, you got to read this book, right? You know? Yeah. And so I read the book and, and I was like, you know, I said to him, we, we met again. And I said to him, you know, I represent a lot of people in the real estate uh, industry and they're really making money. I think you're right. I think we should go out and we should start doing this. And he and I went out, um, the first time we went out looking at houses, single family, we went out looking at single family houses in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And the first, um, the first day we were out, we put contracts on three single family houses as rentals. And we bought all three of them. Wow. And, um, and we ended up fixing them up a little bit and renting them out. And that was like sort of our first kind of uh, foray into the, into the real estate business. In about two years, we had three more of those houses. We had a couple of uh, garden apartments, like these little apartment complexes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, um, and we were also, uh, we had started flipping properties. Oh, you know, wow. Houses and, uh, and fixing them up and, and converting them. And it was funny because at, the, at one point we sort of ran out of money, you know, right? And, uh, and, and we ran out of money and bankability, like we had too many loans. Oh, uh, yeah, DTI, yes. Yeah, we did make some mistakes, like we put both of our names on all the mortgages. Wow. So that was kind of done because as soon as we had that, when we had six houses, that was it. The bank right. didn't buy anymore. So the. Um, so we started, we were doing some flipping, like I said, and at one point we had to take in a third partner, right? And so what was, what was kind of interesting about that was that this particular partner, who was also a friend of ours from high school, was very conservative. My mm. other partner was the complete opposite. He would buy and do anything, right? And I was sort of the, the middle guy, you know, the guy who was like kind of trying to balance both of them, right? <laughs> What I think was what I think was interesting, and what's a very good lesson for real estate investors, was we we did we did very well and we made a lot of money, but we also left enormous amounts of money on the table. And I'll give you an example. There was one one deal that we did, and this was a time when the market was really rising. We could have bought this property in Vero Beach, Florida, on the um, three doors from the beach. And uh, my, my very conservative partner didn't want to do the deal because it was too far away. It's only two hours away. It's a lot of money. We were going to pay like $350,000 for the house and put another hundred mm -hmm. into it, blah, 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 blah. So we didn't do the deal, right? So now a couple of years later, I'm up in um, this part of uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida, like about an hour north of where I was living. And I run into a guy who did that house. Oh, he okay. House, he fixed it up. He made $400,000. Cool. Right? You know, so it, it was, we did, we did really well, but we also, you know, we also made some mistakes. And, right. And, uh, so you, you can't be afraid to take chances. You know, yeah. and you have to kind of go with your gut. That was one of the things that I, that I learned very early on. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got to take your chances. You have to pull the trigger, right? So how did you figure out that the real estate investors need help with taxes? Right. You know, because most of the, you know, my friends, they're W2 employees and they're, oh yeah, we are using TurboTax. Of course, I have my CPA, 
uh, and, but real estate world has lots of you know tax advantages. So when did you figure out that you want to focus on real estate investors and entrepreneurs? Yeah, it was interesting because during the time that we were building that portfolio, um, and this was around uh, 2002, 2003, um, I started going to a lot of um, real estate investment club meetings. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of local clubs in the area. And you know, just to network for deals and talk to other investors or whatever. And one of the guys who was running this uh, at the time, it was called the Treasure Post uh, Real Estate Investment Club, found out that I was a CPA and um, that I worked, you know, like in a tax department for real estate. And I was also an investor. And he's like, well, what strategies are you using for your investments? So I kind of told him what I was doing and that sort of thing. He's like, would you get in front of uh, the room next meeting and, and do a presentation <laughs> about all the tax strategies that you're using? I said, well, I said, I've never done that. Frankly, you know, I had no public, you know, speaking, speaking experience. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I do it now second nature. You know, I can walk in front right. of the room without even a script and just start talking real estate, right? And nobody would really know the difference whether I scripted it or not. But back then, I had never done it before. And I literally got up with my, you know, my 14 slide PowerPoint and, you know, everything was written out. I literally just read my PowerPoint to the crowd. Right, you know, while my knees were shaking, you know, underneath. Right. But when I got to the end, you know, everybody clapped, and you know, uh, when I was done, a crowd of people came around. Everybody had questions, and I left that meeting with about five new clients. Right? Nice. People were interested in in doing business with me, so I was like, look, I said, you know, this is kind of an interesting market. I'm doing this anyway, and this is also about the time where I decided that I was going to leave the large firm that I was working for and go out on my own. So I sort of got this like entrepreneurial, you know, kind of surge from the investing and, and decided, well, I'm going to, you know, do my own business too. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work for, you know, this bigger firm anymore. And so those clients really were the start of uh, my first client base. Nice. All I did from then on was go to meetings, network with people, hand out cards, talk to, you know, talk to people. And I literally built um, uh, a tax practice along with my investment portfolio uh, between 2002 to about 2006. um, I built up a CPA firm, all investors. And then I decided that I was going to move back to Connecticut where I live now. So I sold that CPA practice in Florida and, um, and my partners bought me out of our real estate investments in Florida and I moved up to Connecticut and I started literally started an accounting practice here from scratch. The first day I literally had no clients and I just started, I just started, you know, uh, calling and going to investment club meetings and, and, uh, continued my investing. I, I had a, I had a, we buy houses van that I used to drive around in and uh, go look at properties. And I was, you know, I was flipping houses and building my accounting practice. And, um, and now, you know, it's turned into, you know, a really, really nice uh, business. Um, and, uh, you know, basically I, I, um, I don't know that I could do much more, accounting and, and tax work than I do now. I, I've got, a, I've got a, a jewel of a tax consulting practice. Nice. Full of great clients 
who, you know, I do, you know, I do really good stuff for, and they appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work, but the, the tax strategies that we use, um, you know, help them save literally thousands, tens of thousands, you know, of dollars every year. So um, now let's get to the meat of the podcast, right? You got to spill the beans. Can you take us to the strategies for real estate investors? Yeah, and, and look, and we'll start with that there's a whole, so my book, The Tax Smart Landlord, uh-huh. is full of 39 tax strategies for, for real estate investors. Okay. And, and the, first, the first and the most important kind of thought process that goes into you know, that is, is twofold. One, everybody's different. Right. Oh, yes. So everybody has a different situation. So I, I see sometimes on Facebook people talking about tax strategies and my CPA said this and my CPA said <laughs> that. Well, that's because you're different people and you have yeah. different situations. It's, it's like fingerprint. The tax returns are like fingerprint. <laughs> you know, they are different. <laughs> well, and, and the rules, different rules apply differently to different right. people based on their situation, right? So one person can deduct something and another person can't. And the reason is, well, you know, uh, you're an active investor versus being a passive investor. Mm -hmm. You're uh, a real estate professional versus being a passive investor. You're married versus being single. So there's some credits that that where people are married, you get the credit. If you're single, you don't get the credit. Yeah, you got S-Corp, C-Corp, right? LLC taxes, partnership, that's all. All different different entities, like you just mentioned, right? All the different kinds of taxes. So that's the first thing, everybody's different, right? So tax strategies need to be tailored to the person's unique situation. And that's literally what I do all day. I look at somebody's tax returns and their situation, and I structure it for, for them to save the most amount of money. The second thing to keep in mind is that really good record keeping helps. Yes. Really good record keeping is the foundation of all good tax strategy. So it's much easier to do tax planning and tax strategy for somebody who's well organized and has good records because they can give you the numbers. They can say, oh, okay, through November 30th, this is how much money I made, right? So now we got a month to kind of structure structure that, get the money down, help them do things. And that's like literally October, November, December, all I'm doing after the October 15th deadline is structuring people's end of year to save them the most most tax money. So now some of the tax strategies that we use. So I've sort of in the book, I've divided them into tax strategies for buying, tax strategies while you're holding, and tax strategies when you're selling. And it's way too uh, too much stuff to go through in, in one right. time. But let me give you tax strategies when you're buying, right? Uh-huh. Pretty, much, pretty much twofold. So somebody calls me and they say, look, I'm buying an apartment building, right? We're going to do some work up front, need some work initially, right? All right, great. Well, how much did you pay for it? Uh, you know, two million. Okay. Do, uh, can you guys, are you real estate professionals? Can you deduct bonus depreciation? Yes, we can. Okay. Cost segregation study. No right. Divide, you know, get, get an engineer out there, do the study, um, get the depreciation breakout properly, proper, you know, get all the five and 15 year. Yeah. Um, tangible personal property. And, and, and we have spoken about cost segregation with Yona Weiss. He was on the podcast right, yeah, and yeah. we spoke he's about one cost of, segregation. He's one of the best guys. Right. He's one of the best guys out there. I really like him. Very yep. best guy. And um, so 
So say you get a guy like Yona out there and they do that work and, um, and you get the report back. And then from that, I would prepare the depreciation schedule for your tax return. And now we're going to carry that out. Maybe we're going to, we're going to send it out. Um, we're going to divide it up amongst whoever the partners are in that entity. And some of them who are real estate professionals are going to be able to take that deduction and the passive people may or may not. Right. So that's, so that's sort of like, you know, kind of a, a, a basic one, right? But it's, it's something that a lot of people don't do, right? right? Now, take that down to a smaller level, right? So take that down to the guy who just buys a three-family house, right? And here, here in Connecticut, maybe you go out and you buy a three-family house in, say, New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale University is, a lot of student housing. Uh -huh. You go out and you buy a three-family house, and maybe it costs you $350,000, Right. Well, you're not going to get your out there, your firm out there to do a $350,000 cost segregation study. It's not, not enough money, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't go and break out all of the basic five-year property, all of the appliances and cabinetry and all of that. So I teach people how to do that, you know, sort of do a, it's not as bulletproof as having the engineering study done, right. but you should be breaking out the basic stuff, okay. right? And, and the same thing for, you know, land improvements, same thing for the parking lot or the driveway or whatever. Break that out. Not as fancy as cost segregation, but at least what you're getting the basics, right? Now, if I'm doing work, I'm also keeping track of all of the stuff I'm throwing away. Because all of the stuff that I'm throwing away, I can take a tax deduction for. Right. I, I paid for it, right? So now I'm going to... I'm going to make a list of all those things. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to do all the proper record keeping. And then I'm going to um, basically give them a value and I'm going to deduct that value off of the cost basis. So those are when people, when I always tell people, look, call me whenever you buy, renovate or sell a property. I want to know if you're a client of mine, because those are the strategies that we're going to put in place. And I'm going to teach you how to do that record keeping along the way so that uh, when it comes time to do your tax return, you've got all yes. necessary information. Now, when you're holding a property, everybody knows that you can deduct the mortgage interest and the property taxes and the insurance, right? But what a lot of people leave off um, of their tax returns, and I catch this all of the time on people when I look at people's returns, is they forget the kind of administrative stuff that is deductible, right? And um, but it's not the property stuff. It's not the repairs of the mortgages. It's stuff like the miles that you drove to manage your property. Right. It's an allocation of your internet. It's an allocation of your cell phone, right? It might be the office supplies. The other thing, um, and people leave that off. And look, it doesn't, it doesn't have to add up to a huge amount of money. If you leave $2,000 off your tax return, it probably costs you five or 600 bucks, right? Right. You know, so, so it's, so like where cost segregation is a huge strategy where you're going to save a ton of money. There's also a lot of smaller strategies that you save, you know, $500 here and $600 there and another 500 here. But when you add it all up, right. And you integrate yeah. it, it can be a couple thousand dollars of tax savings. Right. Yeah. And while that may not be a huge deal to a, to a big landlord, for a lot of my smaller clients, you know, who just have like small multifamily portfolios or whatever, though that stuff adds up, right? Yes. So, so those are the kind of uh, like kind of holding strategies. 
And then you have, you know, selling strategies and that's all going to depend on, you know, what kind of gain you have. So first, you know, we talked a little bit about the tax month landlord toolkit that kind of goes with the book. Well, a lot of that is like different spreadsheets that I've designed to help investors, you know, calculate gain on sale. Not a lot of people even understand how to calculate gain on sale. Right? <laughs> but once you know the gain of, on the sale, right, then you can, um, then you can make a decision. Am I going to, is it worthwhile to do a 1031 exchange? Can I do a 1031 exchange? Right. right. Placement properties aren't, aren't falling off trees these days. Right. And, right. And there's, no mm. going, there's no sense on buying a bad property. Exactly. If you're, you know, to, to save, you know, you'll ultimately lose money. Yeah. Save on taxes. That's so, what my gripe is with 1031 that you have 30 days to identify three properties and you have 180 days to close on one of them. And lots of time you end up buying a dud, right? <laughs> well, and that's possible, right? And what I tell people is right now, what I'm telling people is don't 1031 until you find, like, I wouldn't even sell my property right now. Yes. Unless I found something that was better. Yeah. Right? So if you've got properties that are making, that you're making, say, 10% return on investment on, just to use a round number, right? Right. Well, why would you sell it so you can go turn around and buy uh, another property where you're going to make 6%? That's it. Yeah. Why would I want to get, why would I want yeah. to make less money? Lower return, yeah. Right. Why would I want a lower return? And you know what a lot of people say? I'm bored. I've owned this property yes. for 10 years. Right? <laughs> That's why I'm selling it. I'm bored. That it happens. I, yeah, I, I've been through that as well. Right? And I'm like, so, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, people get bored making money. Oh, it's a cash yeah, cow. I'm really yeah. bored with, you know, the cash in those checks. Right? So what I tell them is, look, if you've got 10% properties, don't do an exchange until you go out, go out and find the 12% property. You find that great property, that next one that you want to buy, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is not even, this is tax strategy, but it's also investor. Right, strategy. it's this investment sort of strategy. Kind of yep. Get with me is both a tax and investor mindset, but it's okay. Go and find that twelve percent property, right? Because I know now in this market that I can turn around, put my um, my properties. If I find a better property, I can take my ten percent properties, put them on the market, and probably sell them in three days. Right. You know, right, that's true. So I'm going to find the better property first, then I'm going to go and sell the ones I need to sell to do the exchange. Right. Because I've already identified, I don't need 45 days. I've already got it. Right. right? So, you know, um, the other tax strategies that we're using, and I just did a, uh, I just did a webinar for a Rhode Island group on this is a seller financing. Yes. Right? Not so very it's similar to monetize installment sale, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Takes, yeah. And, and, and it's not super popular right now because money's pretty cheap. Yes. Right? Relatively easy to get a bank loan. That's but, but for sellers, especially ones who've owned properties for a long time. Yes. It, it's a great strategy, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm doing, I've got a deal coming up. Pretty, pretty shortly. I have a brokerage also. So I do some brokering for, for my clients, right? I run a brokerage and one of my clients wants to sell a property, right? And, but he's got no cost basis left in it. He's owned it for almost right. a <laughs> Yeah, right? you have depreciated so, to the bones. <laughs> it's gone. It's, the is gone, right? So I told him, look, he's like, well, I want a million dollars for the property. 
Uh, he's like, but I, but I'm going to have to pay, I'm going to have to pay tax on a million dollars. I said, well, ultimately maybe, but let's, if, would you, would you do an installment? So would you hold the note? Cause he's tired of the management, but he's not tired of the money. Right. And he can't replace, he can't put it anywhere where he's going to make what he's making on his property. Right. So I told him, I said, look, you know, I said, if somebody offered you 400 down, would you give him a mortgage for the other 600 so that you could save the tax on the 600 over the month? He's like, yeah, he's like, I would do that. You know, I said, well, you'd get payments like well, four grand a month or whatever. Really? Wow. Yeah. You know, you probably could get five or 6% interest. That's more than you're going to get. Right. And wow, it's just great. steady, steady cash flow, you know, tied to, tied to the property you already had knew about, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, what that does for him, not only does it save, it up, save him on taxes, right? But he also can ask for a premium on the sale of the property, right? Because he's given great terms. Yes. So instead of saying, say, I want a million, he could say, I want a million fifty or I want a million more. Right. Right, because I'm offering great terms. You don't have to go to a bank, but you need to come up with 400 grand. Because I'm not, I'm not doing, you know, 10,000 down and right. you know, 990,000 mortgage, right? But, but still, it's a great deal. He's going to end up making a lot of, a lot of money. He's going to defer the taxes out, probably. You know, he, he won't go. This particular guy probably will have a, like a seven or a ten year balloon, right? But you know, so he'll get, he'll get all of his money within ten years. But he'll still have stretched the stretch the tax out for 10 years, right? You can do something similar with opportunity zone investments. Yes, I was going there. <laughs> yeah, that's right? So there's there's a few more rules and, and some some peculiarities that you have to kind of follow. And you, you would want somebody like, you know, a good attorney and a good real estate CPA on your team to make sure that you're doing all of this right. But the opportunity zone um, properties you know, you can defer the capital gain on a sale of a property uh, up through 2026 right. and get a step up in basis on the property that you buy as a replacement, right? So you yeah. have to make capital gain money, but you can defer. So it's 2020 now, you still have six years worth of deferrals left, pretty, pretty much, yeah. right? And um, and whatever, whatever step up. Now, now let's talk from an investor. So that's the tax side, right? Now an investor side, an investor would say, okay, well, but are those great properties? Yes. Some are, some, some aren't. It's just like anything else. So you can go, you can go and buy really nice properties that need work in an opportunity zone that, you know, that could, that could really make you some money and you could buy something in the middle of the worst part of town that is never going to see ever right and so while it's a good strategy it's it's situational yes. and it has to be done right from an investment it still has to be a solid investment oh, absolutely and uh, one of the advantage with opportunity zone is that you can also roll over money from stocks bitcoins and whatever kind of investment so it's just not real estate so I, I think I call it as like it's a, it's 1031 on steroids because you can pretty much bring capital gain for even if you have sold a business into right. it. <laughs> if you're doing, if you're a syndicator yes. and you're trying to do a syndication and you do an opportunity zone syndication, you can bring in um, capital gain money from, from people. Oh, right. Yes. Into, That's into, huge. The, into the opportunity zone syndication and help them defer their money. 
right? So, so I've got I've got a client who's who's doing that right now, and um, and he's he's been pretty successful at it. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, and I have heard about the other strategies, the DST, Delaware Statutory Trust, or the Deferred Sales Trust, also. So, how do you compare like ten thirty one to seller financing to opportunity zone fund to Delaware statutory trust. And there is also deferred sales trust. How do you compare them when you see an investor? How do you figure out which strategy would? Again, you know, it's, you know, it's, right. <laughs> it's looking at their specific situation, what they're trying to accomplish and whether or not, like think about it from this standpoint, right? The 1031 only works like what we were talking about only works if you can find the other property. Right. Now you can 1031 into a Delaware, into Delaware statutory trust deals. Right. Okay. So I've got, I've got another client that we're going to, we're going to probably end up doing this with, with a really large sum of money. Right. So we, uh, I have a guy who works for my brokerage who's, who's an expert at this, at sourcing these deals. Right. You know, so he sources 1031 deals and he sources Delaware statutory trust deals. He's got all the licenses to do that, right? In addition to his broker's license. So we've got a client who we've got a place about $30 million for, right? And so we were trying to show her what, what a Delaware statutory trust portfolio would look like, you know, because it's a whole bunch of different, different investments. You're not popping it all into one syndication. You know? Right. You gotta, you gotta bust it out, right? And to, and to you know, diversify. So, so we were able to do that. Really nice returns, you know, kind of gets her, you know, the same sort of money she was getting before, hopefully from her investment. And then, and this is pre-COVID, then COVID hits, yeah. and these investments disappear, right? right. Because the, the thing with the Del Delaware statutory trust is they're syndications, yes. right? Yes. So they, so they, as soon as they fill up, that deals off the board, right. right? Well, that's what happened. Now, and what ended up happening with the, what's going to happen with this client is the, she's not going to end up closing on her deal until oh. the end of this year. The fact that it's still alive is amazing. That's yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it's still alive, right? So now we're slowly starting to see those Delaware statutory trust deals start coming on board again. Right, and and some of these triple net kind of deals, um, right. by like a you know a triple net building. Yeah, yeah, triple net lease, uh, and they're they're coming they're coming back. Yes, right? they disappeared for a while, right? So anyway, it's it's all about what what the client is trying to accomplish and structuring something that makes sense for them because the. Um, like just as an example, the, the guy with the installment sale, he doesn't owe any money on the property. Right. That's the only thing you've got to keep in mind. If you're, if you're 80% leveraged, you can't do. No, no. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. True. So hey, can you, do you have advice for newbie investors, beginner investors on what they should be doing when they're starting out just to keep in mind how they're going to hold the property, et cetera. Or, or what should they do while they're holding the property from tax perspective? Yeah, well, new investors, you know, need to find a good, need to put a good team around them, right? So you hear this all the time, right? But it's true. That's why yeah. you hear it, right? Yeah. 
So you need to have a good real estate attorney. You need to have a good real estate CPA, right? And and and, and that goes for a banker, an insurance agent, yes. and all of these things, right? I always tell people, and, and there's going to be people who disagree with me, but I think you should own a couple of small properties to see whether you're going to like being a real estate yes. landlord, flipper, whatever, before you jump in big. And I know yes. there's people out there who just teach jump in big, yeah. right? But I've had clients who, I had a client one time who was like a, a guy who owned a whole bunch of pizza, pizza parlors, right? Uh -huh. And uh, he wanted to get into the real estate business and he goes out and he buys like a 75 unit apartment. Oh, wow. And, and you know, you know, three months later, he's like, I'm selling this thing. I'm like, why? He's like, I'm miserable. Yeah. You know, this is not, this is not for me. Well, you would have known that if you had bought a three family. Right. right? You know, you would have known you didn't like being a landlord. Right. So I tell people, look, you know, start with something. Yes. Right? Don't but start. Go out and do what I did. You know, go out and 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 go out and buy a property or two. Right. Don't spend three years. You know, um, with your nose in books and going to seminars or whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, you're gonna. You, you you still want to do that, but you don't want to. You want to do that in conjunction. Right. With active investing, not. And you, you, yeah, you get to apply the knowledge you are learning, right? So that's right. what I did. And, and I, I totally agree with you. I do not recommend buying something big. I started with one single family to two single families. Once I reached five, I realized I got to scale up. Then I moved into duplexes, triplexes, and then I bought a nine unit. So I, my growth has been slow, but I'm okay with that because I have always taken action. Every year I have closed on a property. Right. Uh, so it's taking the action is very important. You don't have to take massive action. Right. But you got to make sure you you understand what you're getting into. Even even when people are investing with me in syndication, I, I explain them that there is a lot of nitty gritties in syndication. If you own a, uh, even one rental property, you would know what we are talking about. Now multiply that by 100. And you would see why syndication, uh, you know, has a lot of work for the syndicator and for you, it's passive money, right? So yeah, great advice. <laughs> yeah. And, and most of the, most of the really good syndicators that I know started out exactly what you're talking about, right? Starting out yeah. their, their, your story. Exactly. Right. They start with a couple of single families. They buy a little bigger, they get a little bigger, they get a little bigger, right? And they figure it yeah. all out. You know, so, so that's, that's how you build a track record, right? That, that yeah. says to somebody, I know, I know what I'm doing. Investing. Yes. Yeah. No, that's the key. So this is great. So let's take a quick break, Ted. And then well, after the break, we'll go to the fire round. Okay. Sounds good. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have with me Ted Lanzaro, CPA, real estate investor, broker, etc. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, we discussed about some of the tax strategies for real estate investors. Of course, in his book, The Tax Smart Landlord, he covers all the strategies in detail. Uh, so this last part of the show, we'll go through the fire round. Are you ready, Ted? I'm ready. Okay. 
would you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus? You know, I think everybody is going to do that. I, I definitely will be. I know I'm a lot more careful with looking at um, numbers for flipping right now. And we have a pretty hot market here in Connecticut because a lot of New Yorkers are moving to Connecticut. Yes, that's what I heard. City. Uh, but even so, when I when coronavirus hit, the when I when I was looking at flips, I was allocating a year to sell them instead of what I would normally. Wow. Was, okay. Right, just because I was afraid, I didn't know what the market was. Right. Um. So I probably would go back to six months, and I think you're also going to see um, uh, landlords, particularly, kind of maybe tightening up um, their. Um, screening process right tenants because of the new the moratoriums yeah. and, and that sort of thing right no that that's great favorite real estate finance or and i heard personal development any other related book oh yeah you know uh i'm reading one a motivational one right now called you are a badass oh you know, yes you are a badass series and it's it's pretty I did read reading, that one. yeah you know, but, it, but it's pretty motivational it's funny yes. you know so i like that one um vidi has got a new book um about positivity oh that yes I, that i just got he it actually debuted the other day and uh you know i, I kind of that was a quick read i went through that one and uh very good i like uh, i like reading his stuff and uh robert kiyosaki can't go wrong of course <laughs> Think and Grow Rich. Yes, right? Think and Grow Rich and how to win and influence friends. Those are some yeah, of the classics. Those are classics. You know, <laughs> the Brian, all the Brian Tracy stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. I use, I use it intensively in my... In my yeah, um, Eat That Frog, right? Presentation. Yeah, Brian Tracy, Tracy is that book I loved, Eat That Frog. That you know, is that is that one his? You know, I, you're you're probably right. I don't remember. I I know I've read that one, but he's got another one about putting together presentations. That's just oh really? Okay, I got to check it out. <laughs> Any tool or website you recommend? Yeah, yeah, it's really a real estate websites. Yeah, any yeah. tool or website you use heavily or you highly recommend. You know. well, look, I mean, you know, I think joining uh, Facebook groups uh -huh. um, that are real estate specific, you can get a lot of information from uh, Bigger Pockets is a yes. great resource. Um, you know, and then there's just a lot of people who've got their own, um, you know, kind of resources on their websites. You know, so going around and looking at all the people, there's a lot of excellent coaches out there who are doing syndication stuff and real estate investing stuff, I think you should check them all out. That's great. How do you give back? How do I give back? You know what? I, I do a lot of um, charitable kind of contributions to you know various sources. And I also, um, I love animals. So I- um, That's I awesome. Local animal shelter, you know, because I, like, uh, I like dogs. Nice. I can't have one where I live, so I so it's it's nice to have a part-time dog once in a while just to play with. That's great. How can my listeners reach out to you? You know, 
you can go to my website, uh, www.lanzarocpa.com. That's where you can get a free copy of the Pax Landlord, a digital version. And um, there's also a whole bunch of um, uh, podcasts, a podcast series that I've done. So there's a lot of, a lot of videos on the website. And um, there's also a work with Ted page there, which will um, give you information on how, um, you know, how you can work with me. Um, and uh, and potentially become a client of Lanzaro CPA. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ted. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!